This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome back to Equity Mates, a podcast where we explore what's possible in the world of investing. We're here today with Andrew Brown to do bold predictions. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited. We always like to start the year the same way, and some people might laugh that we're starting the year in mid-February. Yes. Got to take a holiday. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we always like to start the year with bold predictions, and we have made some of our own, uh, and you can listen to that in the podcast feed from Monday. But now we're joined by Andrew Brown, our returning expert, to make some bold predictions for the year ahead. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Uh, can I just stress this is Bold Predictions 5. Yes. So yeah. A bit like Die Hard. There are five Die Hard films. Hopefully uh, we get to number six. Um, <laughs> Hopefully. So we'll, see. we'll see how it, we go this year. It's number five. It's recorded on the 13th of February. And just to give you some context, S&P 500 is 5,022 up 6% on the year to date. And the NASDAQ 17.883, that's the 100, that's up 6.3% year to date. As usual, the uh, ASX 200 is 76.14 and that's up blot year to date. Uh, and the 10-year bond rate in the US is 4.17. Okay, nice. So not quite the year-end levels on, on a lot of those. That was 3.87 last year. So we've got a lot to cover today. Yeah. We, asked, we asked Andrew uh, for a high-level view on, on some of the predictions. We're going to be covering uh, the big stocks. We're going to be covering bonds. We're going to be covering scandals, media <laughs> landscape, sport. So we've got a lot to get to, 15 in total. But before we get into it, two quick bits of housekeeping. First of all, a reminder that whilst we are licensed, we're not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Anything you hear on this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is general advice. The second bit of housekeeping, the Equitymates community survey is live. You can see the link in the show notes. If you have thoughts on what content you like, what content you don't like, and what we should be doing, what experts we should be speaking to, what stocks we should be analyzing, uh, let us know via the community survey. Now, with that said, Andrew, when you sent the uh, 15 uh, or the high level look at the 15 bold predictions, number one, you said very bold and secret. (laughs) So we have no idea where you're starting today. (laughs) Okay. So kick us off. (laughs) Okay. Number one, I think 2024 is going to be chaotic. Okay, and I think it's been really difficult in investment markets, which obviously the first six weeks suggests otherwise. And bold prediction number one is that on November the 6th, the president-elect will neither be Joe Biden nor Donald Trump. Wow. I don't think that's that bold. You don't think that's that bold? I I suspect, I think most obviously Biden may pull out because of 
medical issues and just, you know, just age, to be quite blunt. Yeah. And Trump could pull out for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, he may be legislated out. He also may pull out for medical reasons. I mean, you have to go to sort of deep, dark places to understand what his medical conditions are. And uh, they're certainly not a source for uh, this podcast. And, you know, quite clearly, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that, you know, something may happen to him along the way. So, and then you say to me, well, okay, if it's neither of those, who's it going to be? And guess what my answer is? I have no idea and neither does anyone else. Well, I put a bet maybe like six months ago on Gavin Newsom to be the yeah. president. So it, it could be anybody. <laughs> that, is, that, he, is he still yeah. in the race? No, he was never in the race. Governor of California, but if Biden pulls out, he'll be up yeah. there with Kamala as a front runner. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so I think what that's going to mean is there's there's going to be an amount of chaos because they're not necessarily going to pull out on the same day or the same week. And I think quite clearly if Trump were to win, last time when Trump won, everybody said, oh, it would be bad for markets and it was bad for markets for about two hours. Um, you know, because he ended up cutting the tax rate. But this time around, I think, you know, there'll be no holes barred. You know, he'll go completely bonkers. Uh, it will be highly protectionist and that will be horrendous for markets over, over a period of time. So number one is neither of them will be there on the, the elections the fifth, so the president-elect will be the sixth and it won't be any of them. And that's a real mystery to markets. Mm. Okay. Wow. Number two. <laughs> Rusty. I was going to say something, but it's all right. Keep going. Keep going. Number two, as a consequence of that, despite the fact US inflation is going to be falling into the 2 2.5% range, I believe, US bond yields will not fall below 3% because the US is running a budget deficit of 6.3% of GDP. That's not going to come down under either candidate, even if I'm completely wrong about number one. The interest bill is 2.5% and that's going up to 3%. So basically, I believe that US bonds are going to get a risk premium attached to them, even though they are, of course, the world's ultimate risk-free security from which everything else in the world is priced off. So I think there's going to be a bit of an extra risk premium attached to them. Don't forget last year, despite all the volatility in markets, uh, you may have discovered this by now, but just in case you haven't, the US 10-year bond yield started last year at 3.87% and it finished last year at 3.87% on the dot, on the money to the basis point, did not move from December 31 to December 31. It went to five and obviously as low as 3.3 when the US banking system was under a bit of a creak in March, April. But I think this time around, bond yields are not going to come down as far as people think, even if short rates come down and Fed fund rates get cut. Just while we're on that, very quickly, don't forget we started this year with the most stupid thing, which was earnings growth of 11% and six Fed rate cuts expected in eight meetings. And one of the meetings was January, which we've already had, and nothing ever happens in January. So you're expecting six Fed rate cuts in seven meetings. No, Mm. that's just how (laughs) stupid the market got at the end of last year in relation to interest rates, okay, not in relation to AI, Mm. okay. But we can come on to AI if you wish. Let's not get to AI yet. Let's uh, let's start high level and I think – you, you mentioned in the intro that the S&P 500 is mm. up 6% for the year and yes. a lot of that 
has been driven by some of the Magnificent Seven. Correct. I think Tesla has been like the worst performing stock of Absolutely. the S&P 500. Mm. Yep. So your third bold prediction is about the Magnificent Seven, the seven big tech it stocks is. in the US. What have I, you got? I think the Magnificent Seven will fragment completely. Okay. Okay. Now, Tesla fragmenting already is not fragmentation because the other six are in broad terms moving together bar one. Okay, and there's one of those not moving. And for people who are unfamiliar, we're talking about NVIDIA, Microsoft, Apple, uh, Meta, which is Facebook, yeah. Alphabet, which is Google, like the big tech stocks. Am- Amazon. Tesla. Amazon, yeah. Amazon yeah. et cetera. Okay, Tesla is in there. That's fallen out. I will touch on Tesla later. Okay, but I think the fragmentation is going to happen for quite a few reasons. First of all, one of the stocks has no growth and it trades on 23 times EV EBITDA. Uh, it's got very, very strong cash flow, but it's barely grown for the last three years. Hold which on, is- hold on. Don't say it. Which, which one are you? No growth, lot strong cash flow. I mean, I'm thinking either Alphabet or Apple. Yeah, I'm thinking Alphabet. Oh, you're not right, and Ren is right. It's Apple. Yeah, okay. Okay, Alphabet's been growing, okay? The issue for Apple is that, that basically it seems to be stuck between product cycles Secondly, the services business, which was the real driver of it over the last few years, this kind of, you know, profit growth in services is now down in single digits, okay? So that's not a big boom growth. Now, Apple could come out with something whiz-bang new and ain't, it ain't. I was going to say, you're not a fan of the glasses? Vision Pro. No, 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 Vision Pro. We will. Anyway, we'll talk about this in another episode, but we will look back on this year and be like, that, yeah. Game changing. Yeah. Okay. Game changing. That's the call. All right. That's the call. So if I'm if I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong for exactly the reason you're right. Okay. But at this juncture, without you know, without new model uh, smartphones, which are what drives it, that 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 are game changers. Okay. And as you know now and again, the smartphone becomes a game changer. There's something new about it that you've just got to buy it. I think that's the most likely one to actually fall away. The other likely one to fall away is Alphabet because where Alphabet's at, does AI really compromise their search business? Because, you know, you've got, the, you've got the option now. If you've got GPT-4, which I do, okay, you know, then, you know, that's your real alternative to search. And, you know, does that take away from Google search? The numbers so far suggest not. Mm. I'm a convert now. I'm a Gemini guy. Yeah. Yeah. Heart, big time. I yeah. think it. Yeah. But that, that, the, the question's still the same. Like, yeah. if Gemini cannibalizes Google search, even though it's the same company, the revenue isn't as good. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think it but will. Like, I think it's like the use cases are quite distinct. I yeah. think it's broadening. I think, yeah. I think they're, yeah. As, as I'm going to discuss later on in one particular sector, what I was predicting in one particular sector five or six years ago, and remember I'm a baby boomer, so I'm not Gen Z millennial, you know, <laughs> who, uh, you know, at the bleeding edge of this stuff, is only just starting to happen. So some of these things take mm. slower pace than you imagine. Yeah, like so, the Vision Pro. You should yeah, remember you think, that. <laughs> exactly. You think Alphabet falls away more than Amazon? Um, Why is Amazon falling away? I just feel like it's... 
It's no. had its time. It's number one in web services. <laughs> no, yeah, it's outside it's, of web services, yeah, though. No, no, way it's had, no way it's had its time. The, the big issue for people <laughs> to confront is that 40% of NVIDIA's business comes from Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, and Google. Mm. Okay, Microsoft, Meta, Amazon, Google in that order. Okay, and one of the interesting things I'm going to come to is what is the return on capital these companies are going to get out of all this spend? Because at some stage, investors are going to look at that and go, my God, you guys are spending so much, mate. Where's the incremental return on capital? And even equity makes followers because I bet a year ago, none of them had ever heard of Constellation Software and now they can all quote you it backwards and they'd never heard of the Fair Isaac Corporation and now they can quote you it backwards. Everybody's got wind of return on incremental capital, how great companies compound. You know, so compounder was the word of 2023, really not the Magnificent Seven. Because if you look at what else went up strongly, it was those kind of stocks, irrespective of what valuation they traded on. And so you start to look at these companies. To give you an idea, Microsoft will spend $44 billion on CapEx this year. Wow. Okay. Its return on invested capital is 29%. So it's got to earn close on $13 billion on that incremental spend to make it worthwhile and non-dilutory. The same numbers for Google, it spends $32 billion a year uh, and its return on capital is about 31%, which when you consider it's carrying all this other bets stuff, which might one day when I'm a great-grandfather earn some money. Um, so it needs to earn about $9 billion incrementally and investors, I think, over the year are going to question that and that's why the fragmentation will take place within the group that, that you know, NVIDIA is ludicrously valued. I'll give you an example as to how much later on. But that, I think, is going to distinguish between the group. They're not going to move together uh, for that reason. And I think that most of them, with a couple of exceptions, are extraordinarily well-priced anyway so that you know, they may fragment just from the point of view it really says can't justify it. Mm. I would love to take the other side of that bet. Yeah. 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 I don't think I'm telling you why they'll fragment. I don't think investors are going to uh, all of a sudden wake up and think about, you know, the, these big tech stocks that differently. Like I think uh, if, if we had a problem with some of these companies pissing away money on other bets, we would have had that problem for a long time. I don't think investor mindsets have changed that much. Wow. They changed, they changed dramatically in April, 2000. I'm telling you, we ain't that different to the first few months of 2000. Oh, clip that. You reckon? Yeah. Yeah. Clip that. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Eventually I'll, eventually I'll wake up. If my bond rate, scenario is correct. If bond rates linger around in the fours and these things are trading on 30x times earnings and their return on invested capital starting to decline because they're going so headlong into AI, the question you also have to ask is how do you incrementally monetize AI? Okay. Will I pay more for AI stuff? Are you going to extract more from me for an AI-driven product? You've got to ask, can can they actually incrementally drive profitability from investing all this money in AI? And I think that's going to be the real question for investors in these stocks over the course of 2024. I accept the jury's out, okay, and I'm not taking a wholly negative viewpoint on that, by the way. I'm just saying that's the question you've got to ask. Mm. Good question. All right, well, number four. 
you've uh, also said is another secret and relates to the prediction around Magnificent Segment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number four is Elon Musk will leave Tesla. Mm. Yeah, that feels that feels like it's yeah. written. I, I think I think it's becoming inevitable. Um, yeah, I, I'll be blunt. I think the man needs help. You know, you don't go, you don't go on sort of things that you know are broadcast to a wide audience and tell people to, you know, gag it after. That's not acceptable. Uh, there's no new models in Tesla. You know, the stuff that's new is all incremental. It's not core. He's been competed away by the Chinese quite aggressively. Uh, and, and the most bizarre thing is for such a smart man, he doesn't seem to understand basic arithmetic, you know, which is if you cut prices and that reduces your margins from 27% to 18 It's very elemental arithmetic to say you need to sell 50% more cars. And that, that, believe it or not, go through the, go why, through the why accounts. Do you think, why do you think he doesn't understand that? He doesn't want to advertise for some reason. He's got some set against it. Uh, he wants to seemingly drive more and more volume and that's reduced his operating margin from cars Okay, not so not including energy and and uh, services, but it's reduced his operating margin from cars by about four billion a quarter. Yeah, you know, from its peak, its peak was basically the December quarter twenty two, when he had a beautiful balance between volume and nice margin, and he's killed the margin, and he can't sell enough cars to make up back up to the dollar gross margin and that's impacting on the company it's why the estimates are coming down don't forget the second hand price of teslas is collapsing and byd is just you know is Mm. just eating his lunch in one of his biggest markets so i think basically he's for some reason he's lost the innovation don't know why might be he's he's too busy he's got too many other distractions yeah i think he's he's lost focus yeah he's totally lost focus and so i think he'll focus on some other things uh and obviously you know with the court award against him um there's pressure on the board quite clearly the board are not that great let's make it clear because some of them are distracted as well and all bar one are compromised Mm. um you know lachlan murdoch doesn't need this in his in his in his life bluntly (laughs) um and if i was him i'd get out of it um so i i think tesla needs a change and it needs to be a little bit more conventional and i think musk will leave in some shape or form Nice. All right. We are four predictions down. Yeah. We have 11 to go. Uh, number five. Yeah. This relates to what you said earlier about 2000. Yeah. Smells like 2000. Yeah. Stinks like 2000. <laughs> um, can I urge everybody, and, uh, and my, my, my thing about 2000 is 2000 was horrendous if you were stuck in crazy tech stocks, many of which were rubbish, okay? Not the, the, These are not the Apples and Amazons of, of today, okay? But what happened in 2000 is those kind of things fell to pieces. The NASDAQ fell to pieces. But if you were a value investor, you had a ball because your stocks, which were trading on PEs of 6 and 7, all of a sudden started trading at PEs of 12. Yeah, and they did. Like, you know, you had a number of value stocks doubled. So value investors killed it. So my suggestion to you is the current market mania will subside, but equities are still an okay place to invest. It's probably just not in the indices. Okay. Okay. So the index can go down, the S&P 500 and certainly the NASDAQ uh, and POS and the ASX 200, but if you're smart about where you are and we can talk sectorally, 
then you can still make a good return in 2024. It's just you're going to have to work a bit harder. Let me show you where to go. Morningstar have something called Stylebox trademarked. Stylebox. Okay. Stylebox. And what it is, it's it's basically a nine-square matrix. Across the top, it's got value, core, growth. Okay, so value stocks, core stocks, growth stocks. Down the side, it's got large, mid, small. And so as you would imagine, it's, you know, you could all draw the matrix and you might not be able to put the exact numbers in, but you'd get the directions and quantums right. So large cap growth stocks in the past 12 months have returned 44% in the US. Yeah, which is obviously, you know, the big things. Small cap value stocks have returned minus one and a half. So there's there's a 45 plus percent gap between small cap value and large cap growth. And basically large stocks by and large have outperformed small stocks um, except in the growth area. So it's been growth, growth, growth. And so what my suggestion to you is in the current market mania is if you invest via ETFs rather than stock specifics, look for some value ETFs. One of the easiest things to look at what's going on is check the performance of the Dow Jones Industrial Average versus the S&P 500 versus the NASDAQ. And I think you might find the Dow Jones might outperform the other two this year. Nice. Because it's more value driven. Mm. It's more basic. It's got banks. It's got, you know, it's got a drag called Boeing, but, um, you know, it's got kind of things like that in it. So just one thing to be aware of. In the past, I've come in here and said consensus earnings are too high, okay, and they're 245 points for the S&P 500, so it's on 20 and a half times earnings, okay? Just to give you an idea of the 11% growth in consensus earnings for the current year, 6.5 plus percent of that comes from the big six, okay, so not Tesla but the other six, and I think they're going to continue to grow. I'm not going to come here and tell you they're not going to grow their profits and grow them probably quite strongly. It's just I think you're paying too much for that, except for one situation perhaps. And it means when you take those companies out with their big multiples of 30-odd, you know, for Microsoft and Apple, not for Meta nor uh, Google, uh, if you take those out, the rest of the market's on about 16 times earnings. That's a tiny bit expensive, but it's not nuts. And there's plenty of scope to invest within that. So if you're smart and you want to go sectorally, like with value and a couple of other sectors I'm going to come to with your ETF investing without having to go pick stocks, you could do quite well this year, I think. But you're going to to have to do that, I think, rather than just have an S&P 500 ETF. Mm. Yeah. I I understand what you're saying. I'm going to say I'm going to challenge your 2000 characterization because I think yep. 2000 was similar to 2021 where there was a lot of crap that had yep. been run up and then that all that fell away, unprofitable, yep. hyped yep. stuff. Whereas what you're talking about here is undoubtedly high-quality companies, yep. but will they continue to grow? I'm going to say it smells like 1974 <laughs> where the Nifty 50 was there was a generation of investors that could buy the Nifty 50, the big 50 US stocks, yep. blue chip, high-quality Yeah. But they just got overbid. Nineteen sixty-eight's the better analogy on that. Well, either way, <laughs> if, if you want, if you want it, oh, hold on, hold on, just, John, John Brooks, just, just the go-go years. Just so there was a lot of quality companies that got overbought. Oh yeah, they did. And yes. then uh, 
the question was, could they keep growing? Yeah. And I think that's the better that's, analogy. For people who are worried about what you've just said, you're yeah. not saying that Microsoft and Amazon no, are, no. Uh, are the pest.com of the next generation. No, 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 no. You're no. just saying that I'm not even so I'm not even saying they're going to halve or anything like that. I'm just saying they are going to retrace. Mm. Okay, that doesn't mean to sell them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, don't forget in 2000, I mean, things like News Corp, which were high-quality businesses, you know, got bid up to crazy, crazy prices, uh, you know, and then, and those shares came back considerably, as did many other high-quality companies. Don't forget, everybody, the great analogy from 2000 is Cisco. Cisco's still around, Cisco's still doing really, really well, and Cisco's still not at the price it was in 2000 because you were paying too much for it in mm. 2000. That's my warning. So... Uh, and I'm trying to, you know, as I said in prediction three, trying to show you what might be the issue that investors focus on as the year goes on with with that uh, unhinges them slightly. Mm. Let's put it that way. So uh, keep an eye on 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 the style box from Morningstar and keep an eye on the uh, Dow Jones versus the others. Love it. Well, Andrew, we're going to take a quick break. And on yep. the other side, we're going to talk AI scandals, Aussie yep. dollar plus a lot more. We'll be right back. which is Universal Music Group, has turned off the music on TikTok, okay? And basically TikTok were trying to rip off UMG, which if you're ripping off UMG, you're ripping off the artists because the one thing about UMG, Warner Music, Sony and even Spotify, okay, is there's now been a recognition that the artists have been systematically underpaid for years and years and years and that they can do different things to get more of the money for themselves, okay? Who owns Taylor Swift's rights to the Taylor version? Taylor. She does. Taylor. Thank you. She partners with UMG, okay, who help her immensely, 
but she owns the rights. And increasingly when you get to that sort of thing, uh, you know, you're going to get to a situation where to protect themselves and to protect the artists because what UMG do for their artists is incredible uh, and, and, you know, it, it's why they're a phenomenal company and you should keep looking at them. But I think there'll be more and more scandals of, of, about AI uh, and it's going to really lead into the whole copywriting issue. I mean, th- that's not really an AI scandal. That's just a... Well, it is because it's the use of the technology to basically subvert paying people who are supposed to be paid. Well, it's just, it's just, it's just TikTok. They just want more money from TikTok. Yeah, tick, tick, TikTok basically have shown the usual Chinese lack of respect for intellectual property. You know, in this case, it's you know songs as opposed to you know product. But you know, it, I think it's, it's going to come to something. I, I think you're, you're a UMG shareholder. <laughs> we should let's let's make that clear. <laughs> Through about five different routes. Because <laughs> anyway. I because I feel like there's yeah. a different interpretation of this dispute. But yeah, yeah. I reckon yeah, we'll okay. see the first major court case of some celebrity yeah, exactly. getting majorly. Yeah. Uh, paid out. Or what's the word? Um, deep fake. Yeah, like yeah, a deep absolutely. fake. Yeah, or like exactly. A, like yeah. A, it'll be, yeah, it'll be deep fake like celebrity. Like they will take Something really damaging before. beyond the Taylor Swift nudes and those yeah, sorts exactly. of things. But yeah, absolutely. I think that's where it gets to. Yeah. Did you see the hackers that created a deep fake of a CFO logged into a, uh, a meeting in Hong Kong and got this other guy, like a guy in the finance team to transfer $26 million. No way. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he thought the CFO was delivering this, you need to transfer this money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're like, yeah, they're, as quickly as these things happen, there'll be new controls. There will that be. Come, yeah. yeah. There will be. The, the will risk, there? Yeah. It'll be like, you yeah. can't just take the CFO's word on a video call. <laughs> yeah. 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 You yeah, need, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Need like two-factor authentication. <laughs> <laughs> the, the risk The risk is that the Googles and the Amazons and the Microsofts get legislated against. Google is the one that is obviously in the gun sites, which is why Google tries on a P of 21 and the others are broadly in the 30s. Uh, Meta's not. Meta's lower quality. Okay, so it's a it's a it's a it's a lower PE stock as well. Mm. So there I mean, you go. I think I think that's another thing that'll just shake up the current mania. For people who are interested in this, the court case to watch is the New York Times one. Yeah. Like that that's gonna be where a lot of this stuff first gets tested yeah. in court. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, next okay, up. No, number Ke- set number seven. I believe media ownership in Australia is going to be shaken up in twenty twenty four. The reason why is Channel 10 belongs to no one. It notionally belongs to Paramount. It's got a value, don't know what. Foxtel's declining at a rate of knots. The radio market is in flux. Mm. I urge you, if you don't believe me, to look at the Seven West Network interim results presentation, which has a 20-year chart of TV media revenue, not for them, but for the whole market. Uh, It peaked in 2010, okay? And as we know... You guys, you guys don't own TVs. You own computers or Apple TVs, and you, if you need, if there's something you want to watch, you know, the one program a year you want to watch on free-to-air television, then you know you just stream it through there, um, MVODs. And basically, you know, what what you're looking at is you're looking at the gradual creep of yeah, you know, the Netflixes, the Amazons, the Googles, and others, basically into what is effectively free-to-air media, mm. okay, or very cheap-to-air media, let's call it, at 10 bucks a month or 14 bucks a month for all kinds of product. So that's just that's, that's going to start getting turned upside down. And don't be surprised if you see someone like yeah, a Netflix, 
a Google or someone buy a free-to-air network because it's just widening out their scope. They're buying production studios and they're buying a library you know, of various things. So these things may get undervalued, but I think the ownership, Channel 10 will not be owned by Paramount by the end of the year, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay, and don't be surprised if Channel 7's ownership changes. Dad wants to keep it because it's politically <laughs> advantageous and he has influence and some thinks it's a... Yeah. See you yeah. later. When you say dad, you're saying Kerry Stokes. Kerry Stokes and Ryan's not yeah. into media. So, Ryan, Ryan likes bricks and concrete and damn right yeah. too. So, uh, Andrew, one of my predictions, we did our own episode on Monday and my prediction was we see a major transaction with at least one of the three free-to-air TV networks. Absolutely so right. I think spot on. Great minds think alike. They do. I'd be surprised if a major US tech company bought an Australian free-to-air TV network, but... I, we'll, I would we'll be say, as well, but yeah. it's just incremental small change, yeah. so it, it might be of interest. All right, next one is yeah. sport. Yeah, next one relates to well, this, all this stuff gels together really well. Okay, what's killing free-to-air TV in Australia? Well, the, the killer for free-to-air TV in Australia is sports rights because sports rights inflation has been huge, okay, and they've driven it themselves in, until the last few years. But, of course, they pay the wrong price for the wrong sport, Okay. There's only two sports in Australia worth paying for, nothing else. AFL and rugby league. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing else worth paying for, okay. And around the world, there's only – in, in outside of North America, there's only one sport worth paying for, which is football. And in fact, there's only one league no, worth no, paying for. Two now, Indian Premier League. As Indian well. Premier yeah, League. Yeah. Sorry, my apologies. <laughs> Correct. Anyway, yeah, but in in most of the rest of the world, there's only one sport worth paying for, which is which is football. And by and large, the English Premier League and and the UEFA Champions League. Okay, so my suggestion to you is sport. Because of the massive inflation of sports rights over the last few years, okay, and I am a shareholder in Manchester United and I've tendered my stock only because I'm going to get a very high price for part of it and I'll buy it back, is I believe another English Premier League team will be publicly listed by the end of the year. Okay. okay. Interesting. Any ideas on who? Uh, I have some thoughts, but I just want to give you an idea why. When Manchester United, when the Glazers said we're reviewing the ownership and the structure and everything else, they had 170 viable contacts. They signed 26 non-disclosure agreements. 19 people entered the process and there were 10 non-binding indicative offers at the early stage. And the source of that is the document they put out for the Ratcliffe tender of a quarter of your stock. It's the most brilliant eight pages of reading on how investment banking works. It's fantastic. Okay, and you ended up with Ratcliffe as the player. So I think sports are an investment proposition. They have been in America for a little while, but there's still only a handful of publicly listed teams. I think one of the other EPL teams will will float. Um, If you asked me to say which one, I suspect it will be someone like Liverpool because they've got American owners or it could potentially be Tottenham. Okay, simply because Tottenham have a massive asset which people undervalue, which is the stadium. Mm. The stadium is a one and a quarter billion pound stadium. Okay, so you can buy Tottenham shares on the unlisted market and I think they're 
quite undervalued relative to other stocks. So let me uh, let me put the counterpoint to you, which is that we're at the peak of the cycle in TV rights. And I, I listened to Mark Cuban speak about yep. selling the Mavs, and yeah. you know he has he didn't explicitly say that he thinks we're at the peak, but. He implied it pretty strongly. He thinks the economics of teams have to change mm-hmm. and he's now doing the whole like resort casino in Texas yeah. thing. Yep. But he was basically, uh, he was talking about how we've seen massive TV rights inflation, but those uh, players that were bidding up the price are starting to really struggle and those that are still there are now merging together, yeah. which we've seen in the States. It's really interesting. TV sports in the US, okay, it's a real mixture of national, but so much of it because, you know, the sports play so many games, basketball, baseball mm. and um, and hockey, you know, play 160 games a year-ish, okay? And so it's, it's local, even local radio, let alone local TV. And so they're not sports rights where people are garnering a major advantage, okay? NFL, yes. English Premier League, yes. European Champions League, yes. You're looking at pan-continental, um, you know, rights. And, and that's, what, that's what makes English Premier League so valuable. It's not people in England staying at home on a rainy Monday night, you know, in Walsall. It's global. It's people in Thailand sat on a deck chair having another sing a beer. It's people in India not watching in, in Indian Premier League but watching English Premier League. It's people across the world. It's Americans, okay? And that's what makes those things tick. The other aspect of America peaking out maybe is, of course, the whole concussion issue with NFL and everything else. But they have a new lease of life after this year's Super Bowl and you know, the ultimate Tales fairy tale. <laughs> you know, brilliant. Okay. But, no, I don't disagree with him in some ways. Uh, it's interesting he's selling the Mavs because basketball is obviously the one that's got the big TV rights negotiation upcoming, which, which will shunt it up because mm. it's underpriced at the moment. Mm. So, Andrew, for the next three, we're going to come back to Australia. Yeah. Number nine is around the Aussie dollar. Yeah. The Aussie dollar, I think, will at one stage at least go to 75 cents against the US dollar. Part of that's driven, I think, by chaos in the US. And I think the US dollar's uh, ascendancy perhaps starts to be challenged a little bit more this year for the reasons I've said, risk premium. Now, for context, as we record, it's at 65 cents. And uh, last year it got down... It didn't get into the 50s. It didn't get into the 50s, no. I think it might have touched 63 last year. It certainly was at 75 at various stages last year. I think it will certainly go to 75 during the year and it will end the year much higher than it is right now. So December 31, we'll have sevens in front of it and don't be surprised if it's 75. Okay, my number 10 prediction is, you know, what's driving that? I don't think the official... Reserve Bank rate will get below 3% this year. It's currently 4.35. I don't believe it will go below 3 because I think inflation in Australia is way stickier than it is in the US. US inflation, I easily see at 2 and change, 2.5, but Australian inflation for a whole variety of reasons, services inflation, you know, the whole immigration issue, the whole supply-demand issue, I don't think will be below 3%. And I do believe uh, Michelle Bullock has the type of spine and intellect which her predecessor <laughs> lacked. I so, don't think it'll go below four. Whoa. Yeah, I, yeah anyway. Yeah. So yeah. so with that, then I assume no rate cuts in 2024. If there are, they'll be they'll be very small. 
So it's four thirty-five at the moment. It won't go below three. So I'm giving myself a bit of leeway. Yeah. Oh, you're, oh, sorry. So yeah. you're you're not Multiple saying the rate cuts. sorry. Sorry, I thought you no, were saying all, the uh, the inflation yeah, it, rate. No, won't. Sorry, the official no the uh, cash rate. Cash the rate, cash rate, rate yeah. won't go below three. Which some people oh, think it will. Oh right. Oh, so you're saying multiple cuts this year? Yeah. Uh, no, there might be one cut towards the end of the year. Well, a full bait, a full. No, point. but if it's four point no. three five to to three is a long. I'm giving myself a lot of leeway <laughs> yeah. here to make but, sure. Oh, so you're I saying there might, might be one, one, but you there don't. There might be one. So yeah. it's not going to be very many. Can I yeah. just just yeah. put those two things together? So you're saying inflation is stickier, and you don't yep. think it will get back into the target range. No. Yet there will be rate cut. There'll be a small rate cut. Yes. But why wouldn't they stay the course until they get inflation back in the target range? Um, political pressure. Okay, but I thought Michelle Bullock had a spine. She does. <laughs> but she has to have a really, really strong one. The interesting thing, my, my prediction number 11, is that the CPI stays at least, at least 50 basis points or a half a percent greater than the inflation rate in the US. At the moment, US is 34 we're 4.1. Yeah. And I don't see any way that we're going to be down in the twos. Okay. Yeah. And US, I'm telling you, I think we're going to be down in the twos. And that's what's going to partly drive the Aussie dollar. Okay. And there are some other things I think that'll drive it, which I'm going to come to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I think the Aussie will go up. So, um, you know, it could get quite interesting. But all those things don't necessarily bode that well for the Australian investment environment at the big end. Mm. So just to, to wrap those up, yeah. uh, the Australian macro predictions are the Aussie dollar will get to above 75 US cents. Correct. Uh, the, the official cash rate will be cut. Yep. but it won't go below 3.25% yep. and inflation will stay above the US yeah, and won't get in the target percent, band. Won't get into the target band. Nice. So then that leads to 12, 13 and 14, which yep. we, you've wrapped up as sector-specific yep. ideas. Absolutely. Number 12, Australian small caps will outperform big caps. So if you want to look at it on an index, the XSO, which is the small odds, so it's got the resource stocks in too, will outperform the XJO, which is the uh, ASX 200. Nice. Okay. Easy. The reason why is they're too cheap in what might be a difficult economic environment. That's why people say, oh, no, it won't work because the economy might be tough. Yes, it might be tough, but they're too cheap. They're already being priced for destruction. There'll be lots of corporate activity because foreign companies will come and pick these things off. Um, where you know where they're relevant, so I th and I think some of the smaller resource companies will do very well because they've been smashed, okay, already. So XSO will outperform XJO. So smalls will beat large. Um, I think Morningstar do have a style box for Australia, but I couldn't find it that easily, and it may not be as good as the US one. Fair. Sorry, Morningstar. <laughs> Number thirteen. I've come with this most years, but this year I'm more <laughs> I'm more convinced than ever. And I've, 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 I was right last year, but not, not the prior year. Gold stocks will do really well from here. The world's largest gold miner is Newmont. They bought Newcrest last year. Newmont stock is down 40% in a year. It's down 20% in six weeks since the start of this year, from the start of the year to today, 13 Feb. And the gold price obviously has been rather quiet. If you don't like buying individual mines or individual stocks because you think the management are no good, then 
just buy something like GDX, which is the Vanek Vectors Gold Miners Fund, because you basically get you know the biggest gold miners in the world. And you can buy selected Aussies, even if the Aussie dollar goes up. Remember, the Aussie dollar gold price is like 3000 mm. Yeah, and still some of them conspire to mess it up. But, um, you know, because they don't get their production right. And costs have been going up for Aussies, don't forget. So um, I think a selection of gold stocks will do really well from where we are here now. So... The best basket's GDX. If you're a bit more aggressive, GDXJ, which is the junior's version oh, yeah. uh, of that, so slightly more speculative. But, you know, I certainly think buying stuff, you know, I, I do think Newmont's really cheap, uh, which is, as I say, the world's largest gold miner and some of the North Americans are really cheap, but uh, perhaps the best way is through one of those ETFs. Mm, nice. And then number 14, Andrew, was around oil. Yeah. Guess what? I'll be buying oil stocks too. Okay. Um, Why? Hey, the oil price has been a lot less volatile Mm. of late uh, because the major oil producers, you know, they are definitely, um, you know, they're definitely manipulating supply and demand to make it less volatile. With the oil price at Brent $80 a barrel, roughly as we speak, there's no major oil company in the world not making a ton of money at 80 bucks a barrel. And so you've got to have a really bearish view on oil, which I do not. And if we're going to have a little bit of chaos around the world and if we're going to have a bit of chaos in US politics, we might have a little bit of chaos in in oil. And maybe that'll be dampened down because, to be blunt, the Saudis don't want chaos in oil really, even though they benefit when it's under dollars a barrel for a brief period of time. But most of the major oil stocks in the US are on P's of 11 to 12 at these kind of levels of the oil price. They are exhibiting far more capital restraint than they've ever exhibited in the past. And uh, you're seeing that, just just follow Occidental, okay, which is obviously the stock that Warren Buffett's been buying because he thinks it's going to disappear, so he's going to buy every share of it. <laughs> yeah, their, their capital management, you know, in, in the last three, four years has been absolutely outstanding. It's been really, really strong. So, um, yeah, and to be fair, it's been much the same for many of the other US oil majors. And when they're on sort of 10 to 12 times PE at an oil price which looks fairly stable, I think that looks pretty interesting. And today's little trick fact NVIDIA has a market cap of 1.75 trillion US dollars. It makes 19 billion of operating profit. The entire <laughs> S&P energy sector, which includes obviously all the massive major oil companies, makes $147 billion a year of operating profit and it has an equity market value of less than $1.6 trillion. Mm. So NVIDIA is capped greater than the entire US energy sector. Wow. So of the oil stocks, you said you were buying them at the moment. Is there one or two names that I, are I, at the top I, of your list? I'm quite happy to buy Occidental because I'm buying at a lower price than Buffett's been buying it at, and I like their capital management. But again, you can buy... ETFs in this. Yep. If, you, if you're not, if you don't fancy my stock picking, or what whatever. about what about the Aussies, Santos and Woodside? Well, I think Santos gets really interesting now that now that the merge is off. Mm. Um, you know, so I, I think they're quite fascinating. I think there's a lot of potential spinouts from Santos, and I think the pressure is going to be on Santos now to actually do something. Yeah. Uh, now, don't forget, it wasn't their fault 
the merger failed. Let's make that clear. It wasn't Santos board saying we don't want to do it. Okay, it was a, there was a mutual walk away. Okay, so that uh, the pressure is going to be on Santos, and I think that's quite fascinating and quite interesting. Now, speaking of fascinating, we've got to the final prediction, which when you sent them through was just five question marks yes. next to each other. <laughs> so, final prediction for 2024, Andrew, what have you the got The final for prediction for 2024 in a chaotic world, okay, of politics, of investment, there's one thing I think that's going to return to normal that you can rest assured is going to happen and you can rest comfortable that the world really is in its rightful place after all. Aussie house price is up 20%. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's that the Roosters will win the NRL. The Roosters win NRL. Aren't you guys losing all your players? Like Joey Manu's going to rugby That's that's in 2025. And are you losing someone else? Okay. No, we have it, mate. The salary sombrero is alive and kicking. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go, guys. I think it's going to be a hard year for you guys as investors, okay? It's not going to be easy. You're going to have to do a bit more work, I think, than last year. But I think what's clearly coming through from, you know, my slightly bullion mood is the fact that I think if you do that work, you will get rewarded, okay, because there are some really cheap things underneath the very expensive-looking AI fads. There are some really, really cheap stocks. Uh, I can tell you the the dynasty trust I run is is highly idiosyncratic stocks in it and, yeah they're they're starting to get recognised, I think it's fair to say. And so, you know, it's not just what's what's in my little fund but I think around the markets. Just be a little bit more idiosyncratic and think outside the box a little bit more this year nice well that's a good way to end it i think yeah let's uh let's keep looking outside the box throughout this year on this podcast um but for the, now andrew uh until next time thanks for joining us oh my absolute pleasure you have been listening to an equity mates media production in the spirit of reconciliation equity mates media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout australia and their connections to land sea and community we pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all aboriginal and torres strait islander peoples today this podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 
It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.